I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Welcome to Holding Court, y'all. Um, Dustin, my love, you know I am relocated for this particular episode. I heard. I've seen you've been moving all around. Round and round you go. Huh, well, you know, uh, Auntie E's just, you know, traveling the globe. I love no, to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I just landed in Miami, so I'm going to be here for a couple of months. Just okay. a change of scenery. Okay. Don't worry, good people. I'm headed right back to Harlem soon enough. Yes, but, yes. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice to just take a break and just get, you know, a, a fresh perspective, right? Yes, it is. As we continue to be in this pandemic. How was your weekend, love? My weekend was good. Uh, this was a working weekend for me. Um, I went out and had a great brunch. That's the one little moment of me time I had, but I have been totally in my work bag. Um, it's crunch time, nigga, on deadline. <laughs> so you already know yes. I, I've been working over here, baby. You already know. <laughs> That's um, right. I love, I love that. I love that. I can't wait to see the new projects and get all of the Thank tea. you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, now, did you get a chance in the uh, middle of your work Back situation to check out any of these Golden Globes? You know I did. First of all, uh, much like Issa Rae, I too am rooting for everybody Black. Indeed. So to see that, that that clean sweep damn near that we had at the Golden Globes, that was amazing. I love it. It was. That. It was in spite of the fact that there are no Black members of the actual Academy, right? In 20, after all, now after the whole world <laughs> went on pause last year, okay, mm-hmm. and everybody took a minute and said, hey, wait a minute, y'all, Black people. You black mean to tell me matter. that mm-hmm. the Golden, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association cannot um, honor that by being more inclusive with the board. What, what's going, what's, what is that about? What do you mean it's, there's no black people? It's whack as shit. And I think they thought we wouldn't notice, but we always do. Uh, so yeah. uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that has to be done. I, I'm seeing hashtag times up on the golden globes for that all white shit uh, is unacceptable. Always has been and for sure is now. So despite that though, huge holding court, congratulations and shout out of course to Daniel Kalua. For, of yes. course, uh, winning for Best Supporting Actor for his fantastic portrayal of the chairman, Fred Hampton. Uh, of course, we're going to spend a lot of time about the chairman's life and legacy on this episode of Holden Court. Yes. But, of course, depicted in the film Judas and the Black Messiah. So so putting our hands together for Daniel. Absolutely. Also, Andra Day. Not for nothing, this sister won Best Lead Actress in a Drama Making her the second Dustin in 35 years huge, to ever win that award. Uh, huge. Yeah. Indeed. Followed only, of course, by Whoopi Goldberg's portrayal of Miss Seeley okay. in The Color Purple. Yeah. So uh, Andrew is, and I've not seen The United States versus Billie Holiday yet, mm-hmm. but it is on my shortlist. I will be watching it this week. And don't you worry, jurors. We're seeing your notes and your DMs. <laughs> Dustin and I will be doing a very deep dive on coming all of soon. the coming very soon on yes. the legal. Uh, bullshit that went down with Queen Billie Holiday. Yes, yes. I uh, cannot wait to talk more about that. Indeed. But but Andrew apparently killed this role, Dustin, and I can't and, wait to see it. And good for her. You know, I, about last year, I realized that she was not Rihanna. And then I... Uh, I can't stand you. <laughs> I, I got into that, that catalog and, and recognized just how talented she was. She's a great, great talent. So I love yes. to see this evolution for her. 
Me too. Well, you know, they always say in awards, when you like lose or gain a significant amount of weight, the award is probably coming your way. This sister lost 40 pounds. She took it wasn't it like off. she was an overweight woman. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, she took it off. She really transformed herself. I can't yes. wait to see it. Yes. Also, of course, so heartbreaking, but so beautiful and, and loving. Um, Chadwick Boseman's wife accepted <sighs> his award for best lead actor in a motion picture. Of course, his betrayal in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So yeah. beautiful. So beautiful. So well-deserved. Yes. Much, much love and respect to his family. Um, that was great to see. And, um, you know, I hate to, it just, all these posthumous awards always just feel so, I don't know, they just make me feel so empty because it's like, mm-hmm. damn, the person didn't even get to receive these flowers. But um, a, a fantastic performance nonetheless and well fucking deserved. And we cannot leave out uh, the fantastic African brother, John Boyega, yes. for winning, yes, best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a series, limited series, or motion picture for small acts. So Love that. putting our hands together for brother John, he's also a fantastic advocate uh, for the culture and we love to see it. Absolutely. So here's the thing, Dustin, you know, you and I have been speaking offline about this week's episode for a minute now because Mm -hmm. we really wanted to unpack and provide some insight and some perspective around the, the fact that Listen, they can kill a revolutionary, but they cannot kill a revolution. Uh, and with that, we are we are going in today about the killings of assassinations, rather, of uh, Chairman Fred Hampton and Malcolm X. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we have to unpack that and give it its due time and really go back to go forward. Right. Go back yep. so that we can understand where we find those parallels today, Dustin, decades later, that shit is still going down. Same uh, themes. Same yeah. exact things. Black men and women getting shot and killed by law enforcement in their the beds that they sleep in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We see it. Shout out, say her name, Brianna Taylor. That's okay. That's right. That's right. Um, so we have to do that. But, you know, of course, up first, we have an extremely rich docket. Uh, we know we do this for the culture. So we got to, you know, make sure that we cover all the latest headlines. And then, of course, we will get to the assassinations and the legal takeaways mm-hmm. of Chairman Fred Hampton and uh, the Honorable Malcolm X. But first, like I said, let's get to this docket. Uh, Let's see, first up, this struck home for me, Dustin. Uh, Mm -hmm. A young Black mother in Ohio, uh, Mm. 24-year-old Shayna Bell, she was charged with two misdemeanors for child endangerment uh, because she left her two children in the home that they're living in, which happens to be a motel room, but for her to go to work and provide for her two children. But let me tell you what was some fuck shit about this story. Mm-hmm. In addition to the actual charges themselves, with uh, which I'm calling fuck shit because I know what it is to be a child, mm-hmm. have a single working mother. Uh, you know, my mother, Gloria, she had to work t- literally two and three jobs at a time mm-hmm. to make sure that, that we had what we needed. I had what I needed. Mm-hmm. And since six, Dustin, mm-hmm. I was a latchkey kid. You mm-hmm. know, get off the school bus. You better get that key off your backpack, open mm-hmm. the door, make a heat up that hot pocket, yeah. do your homework, yeah, and, yeah. and keep it a hundred. That's it. You know, that was the life. What were her choices? Yes. You know, to not not work, um, and we starve to death. Unacceptable. So this is what we see young Shayna Bell doing so that her kids uh, can get the food and and shelter that they need. She's exactly. working exactly at a, at a very nearby pizza shop. She was only gone a couple of hours. And then she was also having people check on her kids uh, during her work shift. But the fuck shit is this, Dustin. How did the cops know that these two children were, uh, <sighs> quote, home alone? 
Mm. Her raggedy ass uh, baby's daddy called the police on her. Raggedy, trifling, low down, son of a bitch. Raggedy Absolutely. and trifling. You didn't call the police on this young woman who was simply trying to work and take care of your baby in the first yeah. damn place. And instead of going to assist her in the care of the child that you share with her, if not both children, I'm not sure if mm-hmm. this was just one of his kids or whatever. But instead of going to pick up the damn kids, you call the police? <sighs> trifling as hell. Because mind like you, you said- uh-huh. Go ahead, Ebony, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I like it when you when you hit me with the mind you. I didn't yeah, the rest. <laughs> no, because these, these details, it's always in the details. Mind yeah. you, this young lady, Shayna Bell, is 24 years old. The oldest child is 10. That means mm-hmm. that she gave birth at 14. I doubt that she's had the easiest path in front of her when it comes to taking care of her family, you know, family, providing stability, even getting opportunities to do so. How much of a good paying job can you get at 14, 15 years old? Mm. So she's had to work and figure things out the hard way. She didn't need this extra layer. She did not need this. No, and you did that quick math. Yeah, 14 year old when she started her motherhood journey, when she started having to be uh, foreseeably ahead of household. Right. Uh, this woman, this woman, like so many uh, young mothers or, or, or even single fathers, impossible choices. This is a perfect example, Dustin, of an impossible choice. Do I stay in this motel room, which is clearly temporary housing? Okay, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that on this particular day, my children have supervision, or do I avail myself to employment to earn a few bucks to get my children into permanent housing and a permanent safe condition? Yeah, Who are yeah. we to judge her? Who is the law to judge her? So yeah. I'm very happy to see that um, she's got this 150000 It can go to legal expenses. It'll go to this home for her. I Wonderful. fully expect, yeah, local law enforcement to uh, dismiss these misdemeanor charges through some mm-hmm. type of diversion program. Because mm-hmm. of the publicity this case has seen, I think mm-hmm. uh, the court of public opinion is very much on the side of Miss Bell and Absolutely. applauding her, yeah, for making the ultimate sacrifice to make sure that her children have everything they need. That's uh, right. And while the while the police department has their flashlight out, let's look into that baby daddy. Let's look into his files mm-hmm. and his background. And mm-hmm. since we since we gonna shine a light on him, you know what I'm Listen. saying? Let's let's go ahead and do that. Be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. Okay, so next up on the docket, this is a story that I particularly wanted us to talk about, Dustin. And I didn't want us to talk about it before today's mm-hmm. show because I want your fresh take. We've actually right. never discussed uh, Tiger Woods, but he's <sighs> he's obviously made news headlines this past week. Um, very, very, very uh, dangerous car crash Tiger was in. Uh, yeah. Single car, jaws of a life had to be used to get this uh, gentleman out of his car. That's but serious. Very serious. Apparently sustained very severe damage to his leg, has undergone operations, and is recovering as we speak. So God, uh, prayers to him mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's what I want to talk about. Legally, uh, L.A. County Sheriff is saying that they do not anticipate, they will not be pursuing any charges. They're deeming this to be an accident, not a crime. So there will not be any legal ramifications for Tiger on this particular car crash. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind uh, that, and, and just a little bit about this crash, Dustin, uh, this happened last week, last Tuesday. He was uh, driving very early in the morning, about 7 a.m., when his SUV crossed a median and two lanes of traffic. And uh, really, it's the grace of God, didn't hit any other cars, but mm-hmm. instead hit the curb and a tree. And that's why uh, the crash was so severe for him. Okay. Here's the deal. 
you know, we're human beings. So of course we wish nothing but healing and Godspeed to Tiger Woods as we would any other individual. Yes, but God don't like ugly. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. My goodness. Where, where could your thoughts be on Tiger? (laughs) I want to make two points. Number one, Tiger Woods. Why are you still driving, sir? This is the third high profile crash that we know about that you've been involved in going mm-hmm. back to the shit that went down with your ex-wife, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. That's, that was how we found out about tiger gate and all mm-hmm. the sex capades and all the bullshit. That's so that's right. many years ago. That was number one. Number two was the DUI you were yeah. involved in. Okay. Not too long ago. And now yeah. this near deadly crash, you know, and again, it's only the grace of God that other people have not been injured or killed and what could only be amounted as at best reckless driving and at yeah. worst some level of uh, negligent mm-hmm. and impaired driving. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Tiger Woods, you're filthy rich, sir. Hire a driver, hire a fucking Uber. Stop right. driving. Only thing you need to be driving is on the range, driving a golf club. That's right. That driver club, on that's the all you need to be using. I, I, you know, but, but again, I'm not, we're not captain save a hole for Tiger Woods. He has long decided to turn his back on his blackness, on the black community and on everything connected to that. He's made a very clear and divisive effort to distance himself from all things blackness. So, you know, I'm not going to cry for you, Argentina. I'm sorry. I don't, I really don't. Um, I really, I'm glad he's okay physically. I wish mm-hmm. him the speediest of recoveries, but you know, I mean, this is just really the, the stories write themselves with this one. You can tell. Well, here's the thing. I, um, I wanted to talk to you about exactly what you just gave us all the deep dive on, which is, where do we as a culture find ourselves in relation to Tiger Wood, Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, going back to, of course, that infamous Oprah interview, um, yeah. and I had to go rewatch it. And then I also recently watched Tiger's documentary on HBO. And I do recommend, I do recommend that people watch that if they have not seen it, because it is a, a, a fascinating view of this yeah. uh, individual. And his father and all of the things. But back, let's go back to the Oprah interview. Oprah says this. Does it bother you when people refer to you as African-American? And Tiger's ass said, yes. <laughs> because I, that, so, so it's not just, because I was like, you know, now that I'm older, mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I can make space for someone wanting to be inclusive of their yeah, for sure. um, heritage. But for sure. that's different than saying I'm bothered by being referred to as an African-American. I have go. no tolerance for that, Dustin. There Zero. And then, you know, of course, he goes on to talk about his Copland-Asian and this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. So, Tiger, in addition to clearly stating you do not want to be identified as a Black American, then fast forward to we know these recent shenanigans, this motherfucker been all kikiing with Trump's ass, yeah. uh, accepting Trump's uh, presidential medal of honor or freedom or whatever the hell it was recently, you mm-hmm. know, uh, all up and down Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiger to me, Dustin Ross, has, as you said, made a clear demarcation, drawing a line in the sand as to say, I am opting out of being a part of the black community. I think that's clearly been articulated from the words of Tiger Woods himself. Yeah. So therefore I'm perplexed because, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself accountable to my complexities as well, because 
a couple years ago when Tiger mm-hmm. made that, you know, infamous comeback. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he this is after the DUI. This is after rehab and people catted him out. He hadn't won in years. And then Tiger Woods came back and won the fucking Masters again in yep. 2019. And if you remember, Dustin, when he started winning and like as the day, because I think it was like a Saturday, whenever it was, you know, black Twitter was Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger yep. Tiger Woods, y'all. You know, and me too. You know, and then I had to catch myself like, wait, you know, this is interesting that we are collectively celebrating a man championing champion championing him, him mm-hmm. uh putting our hands rooting for him yeah. as you say in the words of Issa, rooting for him because we see and claim him as black yeah but who are we to claim someone as black when they don't want to be black yeah. yeah you know i just i don't have any space for tiger anymore and again just as you said i have a mature lens of mature eye i know how to recognize the value in holding space for yourself that 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 needs to exist you know what i sure. mean but but that to distance yourself to purposely say i'm offended when people refer to me as mm-hmm. to go above and beyond to distance yourself from blackness so don't look for my black sympathy don't look for my black right. empathy don't look for my black dollar don't look for my black nothing i have i don't have anything for him you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm gut checking myself to say listen i get it we as black folk we need all of the the credit and accolade and celebration of our success and black excellence as possible. Yes. But I, I, I feel, Dustin, we enter a danger zone when we start overreaching to to have uh, alignment or or uh, you know find ourselves in parallel with b- people we see as black and we want to claim their success as our collective community success, but when they have already opted out of that. That's right. He has opted out of it. So I'm just, you know, not condemning, not saying do or don't do anything, but black folks, black media organizations, just consider, you know, yeah. how, how much we want to avail ourselves uh, to a man who says, I really don't want to be a part of this culture. Mm-hmm. Something, something to consider. All right. So with that consideration, Dustin, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay yes. some of our bills and yes. then we're going to come back with much more holding court after this. All right, y'all, welcome back to Holding Court. Now, we're going to get into a story that uh, is evolving in real time, and Mm. it's getting real hot real quick, Dustin Ross. And that, of course, is this investigation that is being asked to be uh, convened around the the allegations against Mm -hmm. T.I. and his wife, Tiny. Wow. Okay, I want to break this down. An attorney, an attorney that I know. Um, so when the time is right, we will have attorney Tyrone A. Blackburn on holding court to get um, a very exclusive deep dive as to um, what these allegations look like. But right now, here's here's where we are. Attorney Tyrone Blackburn has sent letters to both Georgia and California federal prosecutors on behalf of 11 Dustin, 11 different women who all claim they in various ways were assaulted and or raped by T.I. and Tiny and or members of their entourage. Okay, that's the broad-based allegation. I want to make this point, okay, because I'm not, again, we don't try cases on holding court. No, no, no. We don't do litigation and we don't hand out verdicts. Mm -hmm. What we do is look at the facts as we are presented them and we make analysis and ask questions. 
That's what we do. Okay. Here we go though. I thought it was interesting, Dustin, that of these 11 women that attorney Blackburn represents, and he's asking to have investigations opened on behalf of in two States, none of those 11 women are any of the women that um, have been talked about in the social media ethos. So okay. this is not Sabrina Peterson. Yes, this is not Sabrina Peterson. These are none of the, and no, no shade or I'm not discrediting Sabrina or those other women. Mm-hmm. I'm simply saying that for those in the peanut gallery that wish to discredit Sabrina or the other women in, that were mentioned or spoke out on social media as clout chasers or this or that, hold the line because none of attorney Blackburn's clients are in that category. Mm. Okay. So this is 11 different women. And I just want to put that out there, Dustin, because that narrative is prevailing that if you are speaking out on social media versus going to law enforcement or an attorney or a prosecutor, Oh, you're full of shit. You're Mm -hmm. clout chasing. You just want to be talked about and amplified. You can't Mm. even make that argument against these 11, uh, alleged victims. Yeah, there's a distinction here. It's a distinction. I also want to point out this distinction of these 11 women, and this is running the gambit allegations starting back in 2005, coming up to 2017. Attorney Blackburn is alleging that they were all eerily similar in nature. Mm. And let me talk about why that's legally significant, Dustin. Okay. Um, as it, and most um, sexual assault slash uh, rape, all, all of these crimes, which can be extremely difficult to prove because yes. oftentimes you've got a, he said, she said, or she said, she said, he said, he said kind of situation. Very rarely do you have forensic evidence that is going to be conclusive because oftentimes the defense to a rape or a sex assault case is what? Consent. Yeah. Is it the mm-hmm. acts were consensual? And that's exactly what T.I. and Tiny alleged that whatever sexual acts uh, took place with these uh, various women, were consensual. So therefore, if you find DNA or anything like that, so what? The defense still stands that it was a consensual act. So again, that's why sex assault and rape are so difficult, Dustin, to prove in a court of law. So mm. so what, what aspects do prosecutors or even jurors look for to find a conclusion? Well, they look for a couple of things. They look for patterns. They look for anything that can go to prove the likelihood of the credibility of the alleged victim. And so when we talk about behaviors by these alleged uh, perpetrators, T.I. and Tiny, that are eerily similar amongst up to 11 different women, that could be a piece of evidence, could be to prove the veracity of the truth-telling of these women. Um, Because as my mother always says, it's very, very rare that everybody telling the same lie. Everybody is lying. That's right. Right, right, right. So that's where the eerily similar part has legal significance, if indeed oh, it's proven to be true. Another thing, this is crazy. The the scope of the allegations, Dustin. Yes. Between these 11 women, you have everything from sexual abuse, forced ingestion of illegal narcotics, kidnapping, full-on rape, threats of terroristic nature, and false imprisonment, all oh at the hands God. of T.I., uh, Tiny Harris and their associates and entourage members. Um, One allegation did stand out to me. Okay. Uh, This particular woman was, is is a veteran of the United States armed forces, served five years in the air force, met T.I. and Tiny at an LA nightclub back in 2005. Her story goes like this. The couple invited her and a friend to the VIP section where Tiny then offered them some drinks. 
a couple of hours. And she was very specific in this story. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an amaretta sour, her drink of choice. A few hours later, both her and her friend were sick, vomiting, woozy, all of the things. Uh, at some point, T.I. invited her and the friend to come back to continue the party in a hotel room. You know, we've all been there, often mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I have. I uh, have, too. And I, I knew you had. I was going to see if you was going to tell on yourself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then at some point, though, um, this mm-hmm. woman, this veteran and her friend were separated. And once incapacitated, uh, the woman claims that T.I. and Tiny did rape her in this hotel room, that uh, Tiny undressed her and told her to freshen up and then actually went and bathed her. And then this is crazy. This is straight from the lawyer's um, Mm -hmm. letter to these prosecutors that I'm getting all these details from. Mm -hmm. Her attorney says that the victim claims that T.I. attempted to put his foot into her vagina. And when she said no to that, T.I. then laughed and laughed at her vomiting and left the room, went to retrieve condoms. The next day she wakes up uh, feeling completely uh, out of sorts. She has only a towel thrown over her naked body and a very sore vagina. These are the details in the letter from her attorney. A security guard was begging on the door telling her to leave. She does leave. She goes and flees to her home, scrubs herself with soap, Tide, and bleach, says she was so embarrassed and ashamed to go to a doctor, but did later self-treat herself for an infection. I'm going into those details, Dustin, because those are the details that are are conveyed in the letter to the state prosecutor's offices, okay? And again, when we start talking about how do we prove the, the validity of these claims, that's the kind of thing the prosecutors are going to look for. That's the type of things that an investigation will look for. Is this individual making these claims credible? Credibility, mm-hmm. Dustin, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And because some people are credible and some folks ain't credible. Yep. And I want to be clear, people do lie. And that's the point of an investigation, to, to suss out the credibility of the alleged victim and also um, the things that we, we co- consider co- corroborative evidence. Okay. What can corroborate the allegations? And that goes back to the earlier point of eerily similar, you yes, know, pattern yes, of yes. behavior. Again, we ain't trying nobody here on holding court, but we are. I am going to tell you what I know, Dustin. Okay. An investigation is in everybody's interest here, including T.I. and Tiny's. I'm going to tell you why. Yes. What I know is an investigation does this. In an investigation, the clean get cleaner and the dirty get dirtier. Okay. So therefore, if T.I. and Tiny, as they both have said through their representatives and directly on their own social media accounts, are innocent of any wrongdoing, they free, they, uh, excuse me, profusely negate these charges, say they are senseless and baseless right. and any... Any investigation will prove that. That's what they that's the most recent statement. So let's test the theory. Do the investigation. And if you are indeed innocent of these wrongdoings and these various women are baseless in their accusations, it will be a very wonderful thing for the investigation to prove that. Now, question, Ebony, right? 
So these claims have been made. How? So if if they do open an investigation, how can Ti and Tiny prove themselves innocent? Because to me, this mm-hmm. ultimately boils down to your word versus theirs. And sure, sure. What, what what power do they have to defend themselves if these things are not true? So their power to defend themselves. Now listen, it's not easy. So to your mm-hmm. point, I want to concede that this this will be stressful for them and and of course the alleged victims and then what the investigators do dustin is they compare the testimony of ti and tiny okay the corroborating witnesses they can offer up any videotape or audio or other evidence that they may or may not have and then they they look at that and they compare it and contrast it with what the alleged victims are saying okay you know and and basically there is just a determination you know, and this is not a science. There's no science to this. What you're what you're relying on, Dustin, are, are human deductions of reasoning that say this makes sense to me and this does not make sense to me based off of all the other potential corroborating factors okay. and and the vetting of the credibility of both T.I. and Tiny and the vetting of the credibility of the alleged victims. Okay. That's essentially the analysis of any uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, or rape charge. You know, those are the major considerations. How credible are the witnesses? How credible are the alleged perps? And what is the corroborating evidence to support either's story? So that is in, what the investigation would look at. Are we in for a ride, in other words? This is about oh to be... Oh, my so gosh. This is just getting started. It is. It is. But again, I, I'm going to leave it alone, and we're going to come back to it as the story develops. But just I want to leave facts. with this. Just the facts. If, I am a, uh, if I'm T.I. and Tiny in this situation, I want this investigation, and I want it now. Yeah. I want I want to do everything as possible. I want to cooperate to the fullest extent yeah. to make sure that this is cleared up, that this doesn't get messy because this could end up being a full scale cancellation of these two individuals as people, as parents, as grandparents, uh, which they are. And of, of course their ability to earn a living to support their families. And it could lead to criminal charges to be clear. And I want to say that that back going back to the attorney Blackburn, he is asking for a criminal investigation. Okay, and he's running up against a statute of limitations. And that means uh, that there could be an expiration of the ability to press criminal charges if a certain amount of time transpires. So that's the urgency that the attorney for the alleged victims have. Okay. All right. Well, I I guess that's it. Yeah, this is very, very, very serious. Um, And these claims are not to be taken lightly. So this is a big deal. It's going to be interesting to watch this play out. Indeed, indeed. It's not it's not a game, y'all. This is not just social media bullshit. It no. has high stakes for these alleged victims and it has extremely high stakes for T.I. and Tiny. Yeah. We're going to cover it uh, as it develops on Hold a Court. Next up on the docket, Dustin, I was intrigued to see that there is a development in the trial of Derek Chauvin. And I want to slow down for a second because I've been seeing some bullshit on social media that is calling it the trial of George Floyd. Have you seen that? Yeah. George is, Floyd. I, I, yeah. That, he's, George Floyd ain't even here. This is not a trial for George Floyd. It's trash. And listen, I think sometimes people know what they're doing when they say it, which is inadvertently putting innocent uh, man on trial for his own murder. Okay. Right. That's what some folks are doing. And then some folks are just, you know, literally ignorant. And because they associate 
uh, the brutal killing of George Floyd with, with his name, with mm-hmm. his name. That's what they call it. We saw it happen with Trayvon Martin. Absolutely. Young Trayvon Martin, yep. the, the, the Trayvon Martin trial. Yep. Bullshit. Tray, little young Trayvon is no longer with us. Okay. This is the trial of his killer, George Zimmerman. Okay. Same here. This is the trial, murder trial of Derek Chauvin. But here's, here's, the, here's the news part, Dustin. Uh, in addition to the fact that Chauvin is going to face charges in Minnesota state courts very soon, next week, his trial starts, okay? Mm-hmm. And the trial is going to be for second-degree murder charges, third-degree manslaughter, and we're, the prosecution is asking for that third-degree murder charge that was dismissed last October by the judge Prosecutors are asking for that to be reinstated. Why? Because it gives the jurors more opportunities to convict. So they can either say, okay, the evidence gives us second degree murder. Great. Or we don't know that there's enough evidence to get there, but we'll get to third degree murder versus going all the way down to third degree manslaughter because those are vastly different sentences. Third degree murder comes with 12 and a half years. Mm -hmm. The manslaughter doesn't come close to that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where that is. But here's the deal. That's the state court charges. In addition, just this week, the Department of Justice is calling a new slate of witnesses uh, as a part of its federal investigation. This is the Department of Justice mm-hmm. into the actions of Derek Chauvin. And this is, this is significant in this way. Now, this federal inquiry had already started under uh, Orange Face Trump. But his attorney general, Dustin William Barr, basically said, uh, we're not going to do much with it right now. It's, it's, it's just going to be stagnant, of course, uh, because you know, we want to see what the states do. All right. Well, this new Biden administration, the DOJ under President Biden, yeah. they're moving differently. And we thank God for it. That's right. They're saying that, you know what, we can do multiple things at one time. While the state has its trial, we're going to go ahead and get our ducks in a row. We're going to go ahead and get our witnesses together um, so that if the state Uh, is unsuccessful, either through acquittal or mistrial or any bullshit, any shenanigans whatsoever, we ready to go at the federal level. And Derek Chauvin will face federal charges immediately. It it, it allows for what we call in the law, Dustin, a second bite at the apple. Um, That is typically not available in in the pursuit of justice and law, but it can be when when, when civil rights are allegedly violated, as is the case here. So that says that the same crime is subject to both state and federal charges. And that is very applicable here in the killing of Brother George Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just pay attention. We're we're talking about this on the docket so that y'all pay fucking attention. The state trial starts next week. We're watching it like a hawk. And yes, uh, people are, uh, you know, have, have... concerns about, you know, will, 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 will there be protest or, or, you know, um, what's the word? Will there be protest or will there be outrage? Or, outrage. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's the right mm-hmm. word. I'm not, I wasn't going to use riot because that's yep. a bullshit term. Yep. Outrage. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, there'll be demonstrations of our outrage. Yes. If the state prosecutors fail to meet their burdens here and it results in an acquittal or a mistrial, I'm sure. So everything, National Guard, all these federal, everything's being deployed um, in preparation for that. But no matter what happens at the state level, what is good is that the federal Department of Justice is already making moves to be able to have that second bite at the judicial apple. Yes. 
Okay. This is very important. You know, we're going to be watching this y'all again, Chauvin's trial, Derek Chauvin's trial Mm -hmm. uh, starts uh, just next week. We're watching it gavel to gavel uh, from jury selection, which is the most important part of a trial. So we're going to deep dive on that shit to opening statements, to to witnesses, to cross-examination, to closing arguments, and of course to verdict. So we'll be, we'll be right there with y'all jurors every step of the way. We're going to take another quick break, but here's the deal. When we come back, we're going to do something extremely, uh, extremely important this week. As promised, we're going to unpack, go deep, dig deep into the nitty gritty, y'all. The assassinations of two of our most beloved revolutionaries of the culture. I'm talking about Brother Malcolm X in 1965 and Chairman Fred Hampton in 1969. Y'all, we were blessed. We were were belovedly blessed to have these uh, two iconic figures of black liberation. We lost them both too soon, but we're going to talk to you about how we are still fighting for justice in both of their cases and how the lessons of their assassinations can work to inform us, Dustin, as to how we need to be proceeding for justice of our very own to this day. This is going to be prolific, y'all. Stick with us. You don't want to miss it. All right, y'all, welcome back to Holding Court. As promised, we're getting into the deep dive of the assassinations of two of our greatest revolutionaries of all time, Brother Malcolm and Chairman Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to start with uh, Brother Malcolm. Now, this is interesting. It broke some news recently, Dustin, um, that an NYPD officer in an alleged deathbed confession allegedly confesses by written letter that he, Officer Raymond Wood, uh, had been pressured. He was working in an undercover capacity, as many uh, black law enforcement and federal law enforcement folks were. We're going to get to the other motherfucker in a minute, yeah. uh, Bill O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this one, Raymond Wood, NYPD officer, Raymond Wood, undercover, used by NYPD to infiltrate, disarm, and totally disassemble black liberation groups like the Nation of Islam, in this case. He was assigned to lure the actual members of the Nation of Islam that just so happened to be assigned to protect Brother Malcolm. He lured them to participate in this bombing of the Statue of Liberty, you know, which actually, when you think about it, could make some sense, right? You know, we're going to do this as an act of protest, you know, to show the hypocrisy, I suppose, of the Statue of Liberty. They were arrested, thus unavailable to provide the detailed security Malcolm needed on the day in which there was a planned assassination of Brother Malcolm in Ottoman Ballroom in Harlem, USA. Unbelievable. (sighs) Now, now here's 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 the letter. The letter was just released last week, so this is why we're just now hearing about it, Dustin. And at a press conference that was attended by three of Malcolm's daughters, Mm -hmm. um, of course, attorney Ben Crump, and then NYPD officer Raymond Woods' cousin, okay, because at this point, uh, Woods passed away just in November, and his cousin Reggie, who claims that his cousin Raymond wrote the letter uh, in (laughs) Twitter. It's a a lot going on, right? There's there's some soulful occurrences going on right here. Going on, right. My cousin and his daughters (laughs) and my cousin who said... (laughs) And my cousin said that 10 years ago, literally, oh my God, y'all, it's messy, but it's important. Yes, okay. It is. So in the letter, he's admitting this is uh, an NYPD officer, 
Raymond Woods mm-hmm. is allegedly admitting that he was uh, he infiltrated these groups. He was uh, set to put this illegal activity at play so that, again, Malcolm could be vulnerable to the planned assassination. OK, and we know that um, there's lots of allegations have been since Malcolm was killed and assassinated sure. about conspiracies between J. Edgar Hoover and his FBI mm-hmm. and NYPD and the Nation of Islam, uh, all resulting in a very collaborative scheme mm-hmm. to assassinate this revolutionary. Now, I, I know that there's been so much in the ethos, Dustin, about who is truly responsible for killing and assassinating Brother Malcolm. Uh, I watched the Netflix a series who killed mm-hmm. Malcolm X. I have mixed thoughts on that. It was mm-hmm. a little all over the place for me, but I agree. Uh, right. But I, I do appreciate the constant re-entering this question of accountability. Okay. Here's the thing. There is no statute of limitations on murder. Okay. Good. Good. And there's Good. right. And because of that, we shall not be quiet when it comes to ascertaining justice for brother Malcolm. So here's what I want people to know about what to do. This is not just a conversation about what happened. This is about what can happen. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this letter aside, because you know, just we, we, we don't know enough to, to be able to validate this letter. Uh, Raymond's daughter Okay, says that the letter is fake, that the signature is fake. So there's questions as to the validity of this letter. But what we know for sure is that J. Edgar Hoover, some elements of the the FBI and NYPD and the Nation of Islam all participated in murdering Malcolm. We know that for sure. What we also know is that the current Manhattan District Attorney Office, which is led by Cy Vance, Mm -hmm. uh, has agreed Agree, Dustin, to review the convictions of two Nation of Islam members who were convicted of Malcolm's killing. Because, uh, you know, again, if you watch the Netflix documentary or read any of the other uh, press about it, there's mass questioning as to whether or not those two Nation of Islam members actually killed Malcolm and or if they acted alone. Okay. Huge questions. It needs to be further investigated. Everybody agrees to that, including the D.A., that investigation has to happen. Investigations are good things. The clean get cleaner and the dirty get dirtier. Yeah. If you ain't got nothing to hide, let's take a look. Let's I, take a look. Let's I love look. the fact that this is a that this conversation is has become become almost evergreen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It continues to happen. And the fact that the DA's office is open to opening these investigations really tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, so. and they need to, they, they're going to open it, but here's what I want people to know. This is where there's an opportunity of action on behalf of all of us that reside in New York City, okay? I'm talking about okay. all five boroughs, um, and, and Manhattan especially, because that's the, the borough in which Malcolm was killed, and they have jurisdiction, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. NYPD is saying in a separate statement that it has provided all available records relevant to the case to the DA's office. So allegedly, according to NYPD, how much credibility we want to give them is questionable. Uh-huh. But, but, but what they say is that they gave all that the DA asked for and needs to do this investigation and that they quote Dustin. Now this is not something we hear them say often. They remain committed to assist with that review in any way. Okay. So let's hold them to it. Here's the thing y'all Cy Vance said that last fall. Cy Vance is likely not going to be the DA for much longer. Okay, right. here's the situation. Right. He's looking like he's not even going to run for re-election, which in my book is fucking fine. Bye. We'll see ya. <laughs> see ya. But 
The primary for who will replace Cy Vance as the sitting Manhattan DA, it's happening June 22nd. So y'all get your asses out and vote because who the incoming district attorney of Manhattan is, is exactly what will determine how vigorous of an investigation ensues around the assassination of Brother Malcolm. Connect the dots. I'm going to say it one more time, Dustin, because I don't know if everybody got it. Yeah. Who we put in the district attorney of Manhattan's office and that primary opportunity is June 2nd. June, mark your calendars right fucking now. Who we put in that office will determine the veracity and the vigorousness in which justice for Malcolm remains possible. We've waited enough. We've waited so long. We this this took place before we we were even here. It's time for this to be cleaned up. It's time to ratchet up the investigation. It's time to pick up the pace. And it's time to really finally draw some conclusions, some hard lines, make some hard determinations about how he lost his life. It is time. It is. And it's again, there is no statute of limitations on murder for exactly that reason, Dustin Ross, because the law and the justice system does not recognize an expiration of the killing of another individual. We don't recognize it. So I don't give a damn that Martin, uh, Martin, I don't give a damn that Malcolm was killed some 56 years ago. Okay. That brother. And for all that he gave to us as a people deserves justice. His family deserves justice. It's bad enough that it's only really in recent years, Dustin, that Malcolm is credited as the humanitarian that he is instead of being uh, vilified as a awful black radical that mm-hmm. was racist and horrific. Mm-hmm. It's only recently that the mainstream society celebrates the contributions of Malcolm X alongside those of brother Martin Luther King. And, remember that? And yeah. Even mm-hmm. has been able to be privy to some of those accomplishments, some of the other facets of his personality, his family mm-hmm. life, his home life, who he was as a person. Um, you're absolutely right. He's been painted as a picture of a, a violent radical who mm-hmm. was just completely obtuse of all things peaceful. But that couldn't be further from the truth. You and I are, are familiar with those sort of details. And now that this conversation is continuing to go on, those details will be available for many, many more people to to become knowledgeable of. So absolutely. We so need- the take we need it. It's time, y'all. Keep your foot on the gas, because if the D.A. is saying we have an open investigation. If NYPD is saying we are willing to cooperate with the investigation, now it's up to us, citizens of Manhattan, yep. voters of Manhattan, to make sure they live up to their motherfucking word. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Now, speaking of revolutionaries cut down in the prime of their lives, <sighs> Chairman Fred Hampton, the age of 21, he hadn't even got to his prime, Dustin. Chairman Fred Hampton, uh, just such a beacon of hope and uh, revolution and liberation for black people all across the country during his era and today and today. Many folks not familiar with Fred Hampton uh, have been made familiar, of course, by the uh, critically acclaimed uh, film. Judas and the Black Messiah. Chairman Fred was eloquently and and fantastically conveyed Mm -hmm. and played by Daniel uh, Kaluuya, who, mm-hmm. as we said earlier on the docket, just won the Best Supporting Actor Golden Globe for that portrayal. <sighs> oh, 
1969, December 4th. How can we forget it? Shout out to Hove, who has immortalized Fred Hampton many yes. times over in his lyrics. Yes, he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, of course, that's Hove's birthday. Mm-hmm. And he, he never loses sight of the fact that he was given life on the very day of the year that it was uh, shot out of Brother yep. Hampton. Yeah. So, December 4th, 1969, uh, the FBI raid go in with 90 plus bullets into the home and bedroom where a 21 year old Fred Hampton is sleeping peacefully in his own home. <sighs> where have we heard that before, by the way? Hmm. Let me think. Exactly. Exactly. The, 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 the themes that unfortunately recur in black life. This is crazy. Now let's go let's go into the bullshit that that the FBI for many many years claimed justified the assassination of Fred Hampton. This is what they claimed Dustin and I, right. I really want to break some of this down. They claim that they were executing a warrant. Now I want to this is this is interesting. Do, do, where does that sound familiar? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. The motherfuckers in Kentucky claiming hmm. they were they were um, exerting a, a warrant on no knock warrant. A, okay, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, Dustin. With with Sister Brianna Taylor, we know they were executing a no knock warrant. Now with Chairman Fred Hampton, they couldn't get away with that. So what they did was they said they were exercising. A knock and announce warrant. I want to talk about the difference in these types of warrants before we go any further. Okay. Now, having a a warrant that requires law enforcement to knock and announce themselves is what is customary. The no-knock warrant that was allowed to be executed erroneously, in my legal opinion, Mm -hmm. in the case of Sister Breonna Taylor, it is an exceptional kind of warrant. It is only permitted when the warrant is saying it is in search of drugs normally some type of drugs that would easily be destroyed by exigent circumstances an example would be flushing uh narcotics or whatever opioids down the toilet Mm -hmm. okay so because the claim is oh well if we not gonna announce ourselves they're gonna flush the evidence that we're in search of on the warrant down the toilet that is why they have historically been exceptions made and they can get away with that no-knock warrant shit, right. even though it is so inherently dangerous. Because when you just bust up in somebody's place and not announcing yourselves, you are, of course, subject to be met with violence. That only makes sense. Now, going back to Chairman Fred Hampton, their warrant says they were in search of weapons. Okay, well, guess what? You can't flush a rifle down a toilet. Sure can. So that's why they were not permitted a no-knock warrant. I just want people to be clear on that, Dustin. Mm. Instead, they had their warrant required knock and announce. Knock and announce. So they claimed they knocked and announced. You can believe that if you want to. And then they claimed that they were met with a barrage of gunfire. That's their claim. A barrage of gunfire from inside the home, from the Panthers and Fred Hampton that were inside the home. And that, oh, Dustin, of course, they had to respond in kind for protection, and that's why they ended up putting uh, somewhere between, and this is by their own federal investigations count, Dustin said, that they, the FBI put somewhere between 82 and 99 bullets into that home and bedroom. You want to ask me what their federal investigation counted 
in terms of number of bullets, Panthers fired back at them? <sighs> One. I can't even like. One. And that's their numbers. That's their count. I, I can't like. Okay. So that's what went down on the morning of December 4th, 1969. The FBI, under the auspice of enforcing a knock and announce warrant, allegedly in search of firearms, put 99 plus bullets into the home and bedroom of a sleeping chairman, Fred Hampton, uh, his then pregnant girlfriend, who was pregnant then with young Fred Jr. um, and many others, uh, also killed along with Fred Hampton, mm. was a downstate Black Panther Party for Self-Defense leader, Brother Mark Clark. Um, so two fatalities, seven Panthers injured, a couple of cops injured, no cops killed. And this was later determined to be an FBI-coordinated assassination because what the hell else could it be, Dustin? Uh-huh. Hello. When, when you tell me there's literally one bullet coming from inside the home met with 99 pouring into the home. 99. In the middle of the night, where you came to execute a firearms warrant, that ain't nothing but a cover-up. Fast forward. When I'm watching uh, a a fantastic documentary over the weekend, also, this one is on Amazon Prime, and it is called The Murder of Fred Hampton. And in this documentary, it is highlighted that that's another problem, is Mm -hmm. that the FBI, their initial posture against this home, uh, Brother Fred Hampton's home, was to open fire. And that is not consistent with FBI protocol, Dustin. Typically, when you are trying to get people out of the home so you could exert the warrant, you know what you what they almost always do? Mm. They, they put tear gas in the home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A non-violent element that allows any occupants in the home to be forced out of the home so then they can go in and exert their warrant and do their search for their alleged firearms. Why didn't that happen in this case? And that's a question. Because, yeah, but we know why. Because it was was an orchestrated assassination and not uh, the carrying out of no damn gun warrant. We know that's bullshit. But what's fascinating in the documentary, I watched The Murder of Fred Hampton on Amazon Prime, Mm -hmm. is that white mainstream journalist, even in the moment, like this wasn't, you know, some like, oh, let's wait 20, 30 years later to see the era of the, no, no, no. In real time, white folks and mainstream media, Dustin Ross, were calling out Hoover, Cook County State's Attorney, uh, Edward Harahan, Hanrahan, that's his name. Uh, he was on some bullshit. Okay. He literally was lying to the press as they were asking him, uh, the, you know, the, the going ons. And this one young white reporter was like, isn't it true that your office almost always exerts and your officers almost always exerts tear gas first and foremost when executing this type of warrant? And he lied to her fucking face and said, no, that's not true. When all reports show that that is almost the first point of engagement when executing these warrants. And the fact that that didn't happen and along with it's fascinating in this case, Dustin, because the federal investigation basically proves the assassination of Fred Hampton was an orchestrated FBI attempt. And they can even tell you the agency in which did it, the specific part of the agency. Apparently, the FBI findings show this. 
that the FBI had monitored Fred Hampton through a program. They had a whole fucking program, D. Uh, It was abbreviation for Counterintelligence Program. Uh, They coined it, Cointel Pro, okay? Counterintelligence Programming. Okay. Where, yes, and this is where Bill O'Neill, Lakeith's character in the movie, who was an FBI informant, who was hired to pose as a Black Panther member to get close to Hampton and then provide information. So there was literally... A, a sub-program of the FBI under Hoover. And then, now we know, this is where there's some breaking news, very high up levels at the FBI, Dustin. Uh, a Chicago lawyer by the name of Flint Taylor, along with some other folks, have led to a 13-year civil rights lawsuit that are, are now able to give us this conclusion. The lawsuit is now able to give us this conclusion that after the raid that happened on December 4th, 1969, the documents have recently uncovered this. And we only have these documents through the um, Freedom of Information Act. We now have documents that connect the following directly to the assassination of Fred. William C. Sullivan, who was then director of the FBI's Domestic Intelligence Division, uh, George Moore, then head of the extremist section of the Domestic Intelligence Division. And those two, under the guidance of J. Edgar Hoover, played specific roles in planning and executing this assassination that came in form of a raid. And then they covered it up. We now know that. Man. It's insane, Dustin, because I know it's unbelievable because we always knew the FBI was involved, but it was only until recently. See, we thought it was just some mid-level local Chicago motherfuckers that were involved. But now to have names in Washington, D.C. who were actual participants at the highest level, that's a game changer. It is definitely is a game changer. It amplifies this to a federal crime. Um, yep. This is this is something that is, and it's just it's just so eye opening to the corruption that we've long known existed on that level, and how mm-hmm. far reaching that corruption can go. For them to cover this up for this many years, have it been so again, and and the the parallels, right? More sloppy, yeah. shoddy ass police work. More, mm-hmm. um, um, no, no sort of of uh intention to at least try to get away with it at least try to make this Mm-mm. something that you know they didn't even have enough respect for his life to try to cover this up make an effort to cover it up this is just some let's just shove it under the rug just enough to where they can't implicate us and then go on with our lives that's what this was it's disgusting it's disgusting and i was watching that archival footage of that cook county prosecutor and the audacity he looked so disusted mm-hmm. with all of the reporters that were even asking him about like, how the, dare the you ask me that's how he was looking at him dustin like i i'm a white man in in law enforcement smug <laughs> Smug as fuck. Don't you dare ask me shit about this dead you know what. Yeah. Yeah. That's really how he was looking at them. And really that was the tone of his voice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, something else that sickened me was the weak ass, uh, disrespectful settlement amount mm-hmm. that was, you know, awarded to the the family of Fred Hampton and Mark Clark and the uh seven Panthers that were wounded in this. Uh, assassination and raid. So in 82, so again, y'all remember Hampton was killed, assassinated in 69. Mm -hmm. So fast forward up to 82. Mm -hmm. 
uh, all the plaintiffs in the in the lawsuit were awarded one point eight five million. That's not even two million dollars. Literally, not even two million dollars awarded to, yeah, basically split amongst nine individuals: uh, Chairman Hampton, Brother Clark, and then the seven other Panthers that were injured. Unbelievable. Disrespectful, and 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 the fact that they paid anything at all, yeah, yeah, lets you know that they know they were wrong as fuck. That's right. So it's time for some sort of real, true accountability for this. It's time for some real deal um, justice to be served. Mm-hmm. And I cannot. Well, I, I feel lucky, and I'm sure you do too, Ebony. That hopefully we get to see that that happen in our lifetimes. We actually I get do. to witness that. I do, you know, and I have a specific ask for the Biden administration since you since you asked me. Come I know on. you didn't ask, I know yep. you didn't ask me, but you know I'm gonna just put it out there anyway. <laughs> put it on up. Um okay, so here's the deal. When they gave that one point eight five million back in eighty two, an attorney for the Justice Department specifically spoke to the New York Times and said this that the outcome does not amount to an acknowledgement of any wrongdoing by the department. Huh. Well, guess what? Time's up on that shit. Uh, an attorney for the plaintiffs that received the 1.85 million said this was just the attorney speaking that it was an admission of the conspiracy that existed between the FBI and Harahan's men to murder Fred Hampton. But that's just the lawyer talking. I want to hear it from the DOJ, Dustin. Mm-hmm. I want to hear it from the FBI, Dustin. And even though the the fiscal settlement had been given out long ago and it was a bullshit amount, yeah. Um, but more important, even in that chump change, is I want an admission from the Department of Justice acknowledging the FBI's collaborative, coordinated effort to effectively assassinate a member of the Black Party, uh, the Black Panthers Party for Self-Defense, and all of those wrongdoings. I wanted admission, and, and, and it's possible. And I believe that is, because part of, when we start talking, Dustin, about Black Lives Mattering and recon, racial reconciliation, which President Biden and his administration have made clear is a goal. They want to talk about unity. They want to talk about racial reconciliation. I'm all for unity, Dustin. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I know you are all about racial reconciliation, but for that sure. shit, but that shit cannot start until we have a full, accurate, and complete acknowledgement. Of the wrongdoing. Yeah, they can't start in the middle. You have to start at the beginning. Correct. You can't start in the middle of a war and just tell one side to put down their weapons. No. You can't start in the middle of a war, Dustin, and tell one side to stand in peace. You cannot. You can't. And that's what's happening. So I want President Biden, Cedric Richmond, those of y'all that Mm -hmm. are listening, and I know you are, Mm -hmm. let's have... An, an international acknowledgement from the Department of Justice owning their role and responsibility in the elaborate conspiracy yes. to assassinate one of the great revolutionaries in American history, a great patriot by the name of Fred Hampton. You know, That's and what that, I you, make, you make a great point, Ebony, for yeah. several reasons. Another reason that that would be beneficial to, to take place is it will restore some sort of some semblance of faith in government, in U.S. Mm-hmm. government. We're coming off the heels of one of the most distrustful, dishonest, 
um, just just uh, lacking integrity um, administrations that we've ever seen in the history of the United States. So people have never been less trusting of the government than they are now. For something like that to take place, it would literally revolution. It would be revolutionary for so many reasons. I mean, how perfect is your word choice there, Dustin? Mm-hmm. Revolutionary. Revolutionary, right. And that's exactly how we should honor one of the great revolutionaries of our time. Yeah. Rest in power to Brother Malcolm and Chairman Fred Hampton. Yes. Listen, y'all, I appreciate y'all's patience with us this episode. It was just very important for Dustin and myself to be able to to go there uh, around our legacy and really put forth some, some calls to action for our future. And with that, we want to thank y'all for listening again. Follow us, subscribe. This is important, y'all. We read your reviews over our morning tea and crumpets. We sure do. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, give, us, give us your stars. Give us your ratings. Um, tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want more of mm-hmm. from our show, because that's how we like to custom tailor it to our jurors. Right. Tell a friend, tell your mama, tell everybody to get the word out about holding court. And check out, as always, our episode notes for some links to, to, to some things to keep you in informed and empowered uh this week y'all we're going to put in some details about this upcoming district attorney primary in manhattan so you can know who's running so you can put in place for justice y'all holding court comes to you from uppity productions it's an association with dossie media and presented by the black effect network from iHeartRadio. audio service is always provided by one of one Productions. shout out to them y'all check them out people our people shout out to y'all dennis and fela one of one productions.com please y'all join us again next week when court is back in session and in the meantime stay safe wear your mask socially distance if you can get your hands on a vaccine fucking take it please. keep the faith and always what you want the people to do dustin read your terms and your goddamn conditions we gonna see y'all soon okay. bye Thank you.